there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Okay, so here we are, broadcasting from Prelip, Macedonia. Um, I'd like to talk to you today about headroom. One of the things I can guarantee you, there is nothing like culture shock to provide a conscious shock. The stress of time changes, being on the other side of the planet, different languages, different cultures, different people, different food, different water, a different bed, a different room, <laughs> all of this stuff inundate me with impressions. Uh, and I have ample opportunity to take new impressions either consciously or somehow, and I haven't figured out how to do this mechanically yet, but somehow take them mechanically. But I've been unable to do that. The impressions seems like they can only be taken consciously. There are so many decisions to make. There's so many things going. It, I'm so forced to live in the now because of so many changes that it just provides a constant conscious shock. I look at it like a gift from above. If there's something above you, you could look at it that way too. The problem is not everyone has an above. Some people live at the top. There's nothing above them. They've reached the very top of themselves. I say that those people are people without headroom. They have nowhere to grow. There's nothing waiting for them. There's nothing potential outside themselves. There's nothing greater than themselves. So this, unfortunately, speaks of the majority of the people on this planet. <laughs> as sad as that may be, it is the reality that we live in. Everywhere I look around here, I see a choice here in Macedonia. This is a small town, but what I see is their choice is this constant choice of one thing or another. Either they're going to go with the consumerism of the West, they're going to give in to the world and what it wants and the lusts of the world, basically, through the five senses, or they're going to choose a different path. Unfortunately, everywhere I look, I see people choosing to go through the five senses rather than to look for something deeper. I've met a number of people. And unfortunately, as I've said, most of them, just like everywhere else in the world, most of them are not ready to do the work. And so I say, how many times have we heard this work is not for everyone? traveling the planet and meeting people from all different cultures and all different languages has proved to me beyond any doubt in my mind that the work is right about that. We're either going to do this work or we're not going to do this work. And the majority of people are not going to do this work. The majority of people will never try to escape from this prison. The majority of people are going to take a few throw pillows a bouquet of flowers, a couple of curtains, and they're going to make their prison cell more comfortable for themselves. And that's where they'll live and they'll die. And they'll just try to get the best they can get out of the prison rather than reaching for something higher. And the truth is they don't believe there is anything higher. 
they imagine that science will be the answer because science comes from man. Science comes from the mind. Science is something that materially we can weigh, materially we can measure. Science will cure us. Science will advance us. But where? Where will it advance us to? I ask you this simple question. Can we create our body? The very best that we can do is clone. And we're not allowed to clone a human body, so we clone what? Sheep? And cloning is nothing more than imitation. We can't create anything. All we can do is imitate something higher. But for us, there is nothing higher than ourselves. We have no headroom. There's nothing above us. All this comes from being lost in ourselves, taking ourselves for granted, and looking to ourselves for all the answers, thinking there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than ourselves. There's nothing above us. No headroom. I was walking downtown in the, in the center of town the other day, and there was a sign about Esperanto. I don't know if you know what Esperanto is or not. Esperanto was a language that was basically invented, an invented language that was made to be a universal language. It was supposed to be the language of the League of Nations. It was supposed to be the language of the United Nations. It was supposed to cure the confusion of tongues. It was supposed to bring all these nations together for world peace. It's a beautiful idea. It's a great language. Everyone was supposed to learn it. There would be one common language, just like the Tower of Babel. How come such a great idea went wrong? Why did that happen? <laughs> and you have to ask yourself another question. Why does everything go wrong in this world? Every time we take up arms and we go to war with somebody to kill and to destroy, to bring about peace, we don't have peace. We have this time of reconstruction. We have this time of misery and woe when we try and put back together what we have torn apart through our violence, our ignorance, our selfishness, and our self-love. That's why everything goes wrong in this world. The answer is so simple that science overlooks it. Here's the answer. We don't remember ourselves. We were made, we were created so that we could remember ourselves. Yet, we've forgotten. What we take as ourselves now is nothing more than the growth of false personality acquired from life and constantly taking us further from what we are. What is it we are? The work says real I. What does that mean? It means that there is something real about us. I don't care what you call it. In Esperanto, in Macedonian, in English, in German, in Dutch, I don't care what language you use. There is something about us that is real. There is something about us that is created. And what separates the men from the boys in this work is either we believe that and we sense that and we reach for that, something above us, and we have some headroom in which we can grow into, or we don't believe it. We think that we are the, at the top of everything. I remember Steve one time said, when we talked about being a vegetarian, he said, I didn't claw my way to the top of the food chain to eat vegetables. And this is the whole attitude. No headroom. I'm at the top of the food chain. I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. Nothing can stop me. I'm at the top. There's no place to grow. I'm... Guarantee you, Steve, 
if he were here today, he would say, I would not say that now. So he has created some headroom for himself. And it's possible. Everyone can do it because we're the ones who sealed ourselves off so that we couldn't go any higher than what we are. We are the ones who can break that seal and reach higher. We are the ones that can grow into something that is waiting for us. Real eye awaits us overhead. What the false personality does all of the time is pull us down, keep us down. It's like having a glass ceiling above us, except it's not glass. It's like steel where it's like concrete and steel. We can't see through it. We can't see anything above ourselves. And so the false personality constantly uses negative emotions to pull us downward. We can't remember real eye directly because it's covered up with layers of acquired influences from imitating sleeping people. Each layer dampens the vibrations coming down from real eye, coming down from above. And as those vibrations are dampened, I want you to think of a drum. If you have a drum, you know, and you hit that drum, it makes a sound. It makes a very sharp, loud sound. But if you take a coat and you put it over that drum head and you hit that drum, you don't get that same sound. If you put a number of coats over that drum head, it dampens the vibration so much that the drum makes no sound at all. This is exactly what happens with real eye because it's been covered up with layer after layer after layer of acquired influences that come from us imitating sleeping people. Each layer slows down the vibrations until there are no vibrations at all that are able to reach us from real eye. We end up with no headroom, nothing to grow into because we can't receive anything that can help to pull us up. Esoteric teachings, all of them, not just the fourth way, all esoteric teachings, real, true esoteric teachings are designed to return us to feeling the vibrations of real eye. What is it that stands in the way? Eh, there's an answer, but it's a general answer. The truth is that each one of us must realize for himself each moment we're forgetting ourselves. We are forgetting ourselves. Somehow we've lost touch with real eye. We no longer even believe that it exists. Now it's a dream. It's a mystery. Now we don't understand it at all. But it's there and it's real. And if you have observed yourself at all, if you have tried to reach the third state of consciousness, then you know beyond any doubt that there is something higher, that there is something there. Our job is to try and reach it. So, what is there to do? It's not so easy to reach it because we have dampened the vibrations coming from real eye. We've somehow got to clean the wax out of our ears. We've somehow got to get the, we've somehow got to get the, the coats and the material off of the drum head so that we can hear it, so that we can hear the beat of real eye's heart, so that we can begin to follow it, so that we begin to head in the direction of that sound, that vibration that comes from above. Don't take this too literally. But you can also take it literally, but in an esoteric sense, not in an outside vibration sense, but an internal vibration sense. So what is it we have to realize? We have to realize that what stands in our way is that we have to realize for ourselves, each moment we're forgetting ourselves, 
But no, we don't think that. We think, oh, no, I'm awake now. I know now. I can do this now. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yes, this is much better than before. Now I know. I got it. I got it. I got it. The truth is we haven't got it at all. The truth is we're asleep and we refuse to admit it. We continue to fall back into imagination, imagining that we're awake. And the truth is we are not awake. This is the most difficult thing for us to admit on a daily basis. We have to keep this before us. We have to keep these work ideas before us or else we're going to fall back. Practically, what this means is we're identified with everything that's happening to the false personality all the time. Why are we identified with, ha- with everything that's happening to the false personality all the time? We're identified with the false personality. It's not a false personality to us. To us, it's I. It's our feeling of I. It's who we actually think we are. And we are completely identified with who we are. And so everything that happens to who we think we are, we think that's happening to us. This is a terrible position to be in. I've got this really great quote from James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It says, But we must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from above, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Esoterically, what this means is, we doubt there is something higher. We doubt there is something above us. We have no headroom. There's nothing that we can do because there's no place to grow into. We have reached the top of ourselves and we're stuck. In other words, we can't stop identifying with ourselves. The work comes along and it gives us a tool, a simple tool, self-observation. The tool is simple, but it's not easy to use. Why is it not easy to use? Because we are not accustomed to using it, because it does not give us an instant gratification and instant response because we can't see instant progress and we are locked into results. We are locked into having having to have instant results. And if we don't get instant results, we quit and go and try and find something else. So what does that mean? We're at the mercy of every changing event, every changing thought, every changing feeling that goes on inside of this thing that we're identified with, this thing that we call I, that is really imaginary eye. An imaginary eye is nothing more than a tent over the circus that is false personality. And all of the many shows in that three-ring circus that's going on all the time, all the many eyes that are running around, walking the tightrope, jumping the trampoline, doing this over here, juggling over there, swinging through the air on the trapeze, all of those eyes, all are under the big top of imaginary eye. And it's all false personality, and we are so completely identified with imaginary eye that we don't even see what's going on under the big top. It's covered up to us, so we're blind to it. And we think that there is nothing higher. The truth is, there is something higher. And esoteric teachings have come to show us the way, if we will turn within, turn away from the world, turn away from the five senses, and start to develop our internal senses. So how, with no headroom, our ability to receive vibrations from above is nearly non-existent? How? We, because we're at the mercy of changing events, changing thoughts, and changing feelings. We can't do anything about receiving vibrations that are not existent to us. All that is showered down on us is lost as we leak force by identifying 
with little facts to catch us and drag us off. What kind of little facts? Little things like this. Well, so-and-so didn't treat you properly. What does that mean? That's a little fact. That may be true. Maybe so-and-so didn't treat you properly. Are you willing to give up your headroom to follow that little fact? Or are you willing to drop that little fact, that little so-called truth, and reach for something higher? Are you willing to take that little fact and throw it over the drumhead and dampen the vibrations that come from above so that you can't find your way back up? It's all lost to us because we're constantly leaking this force through identifying with these stupid things. They catch us, they drag us off, and that's it. So life enters through our identification with its happenings, with, with our thoughts, with our feelings, and then they control us like a small boat that's tossed by waves in a raging sea. What can we do about that? It's like we have no rudder. It's like we have no power. We have no motor that can send us in the right direction. We simply are being tossed here and there. By what? By everything that's happening to what we call I. What is it that we call I? Imaginary I. And that's how life enters in through our identification. With all the things that are happening in life, we identify with them. Life soaks into us and begins to drain our force, begins to take everything away from us so that we have nothing left. A man who remembers himself is different from a mechanical man. One of the things I can assure you that I have found after living here with his family in Macedonia, we talked about it tonight before the broadcast, Mile said, what is it you said to Sashka about nobody keeps, nobody can keep their word, everybody lies? Nobody does what they say they're going to do? And Sashka said, I do. And he said, okay, baby, you do. And then she said, James does. And he says, okay, James does. So what he said, then he turned to me and he said, the one thing you have proved since you've been here is that you do this work, that you do what you say you're going to do. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. So as Mile would say, it's seeable. <laughs> it's seeable. And what he means is it's easily seen. If you look, if you're willing to look, you can see that it is possible, that it can be done. And once you see that it can be done, what that does is it gives you the strength. It gives you the ability to lift your head, to lift your chin, to take your hand, put it under your head, under your chin, and to look up and to see that there is something coming from above. There is actually above. You do not have to be stuck here. You don't have to be stuck with what you've got. There is something higher. This work really does show the way. It really does work. And you can really do it. Ah, here's another great story. I love this. We were talking tonight about, we were, Mila and I were talking and Sashka and I were talking about all the things that happen to people in life. And they were talking about, oh, you know, and their parents, Mile's father slapped him across the face once. And I told him stories that I had seen and heard and knew about that I won't share with you, but I shared with him about fathers who had done things to their children that were far worse than that. And that it was possible to get beyond that. It was possible to rise above that. It was possible to cancel those accounts, to forgive and to love, it was possible to do it. He showed him the way. And I said, Mile, you have to go down there and talk to your father and thank him for working 
all of the work that he did, all of the times that he got up in the middle of the night or in the middle of the morning and did whatever he did, driving a truck or doing iron working or whatever the man did to put food on the table, shoes on his feet, clothes on his back, a roof over his head, that slapping him one time was nothing, that the man did love him, even though he may not have known how to say it. Different cultures have different ways. The fact is he proved that he loved him by what he did. Everybody says these days, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. You hear it all the time. And what does it mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means nothing unless there are actions behind it. Nothing at all. People say the word very easily. I love you. But how many people do it? How many people prove it by doing it? By giving you the freedom that God gave you. By giving you the free will that your creator bestowed upon you. By supporting you by loving you unconditionally, that no matter what you do, they stand by you, they believe that you must develop yourself, and they support you in that self-development. I think you'll find, if you'll take an honest look at your own life, that not only do you not have that in your life, but you do not give it in your life. You love with strings attached, and what we call love is no more than a negative emotion that has been colored with self-emotions. We say, I want to protect this person. I want to do this. I want to do that. The truth is, the only person that we're protecting is ourselves. And this is the one truth that we don't want to see. And this is what self-observation is for. Self-observation is to show you that one truth you don't want to see, that you must see, so that self-love can begin to be undone. Because you will never find your headroom unless self-love stops leading you unless pride and vanity are taken out of the picture so that you can get your eyes back and see where you're going. I promise you a man who remembers himself is different from mechanical man. And the difference is easy to see when you're put right next to a mechanical man and a man who remembers himself. I'm not saying you have to be conscious. I'm saying the more you remember yourself, the more different from mechanical man you actually become. This is difficult to do at first, even for a few seconds. When we start to try and remember ourselves, we can't even do it for a few seconds. Later, after we practice and practice and practice, we find that not only can we do it for a few seconds, we may even be, do it, be able to do it for a few minutes. Not very long, but for a few minutes. And if you're willing to pay the price, then I promise you, you can almost always do it. And eventually, the way things have been going, as I can prove in scale... Eventually, you will remember yourself and you will crystallize in that state and you will be a conscious man. You will escape from the mechanical circle of humanity and you will enter and become part of the conscious circle of humanity. And then your job, as it is all along from the time you step into the fourth state, from the time you begin or step into the third state and you begin to remember yourself, you start to become man number four. You start to become balanced man. It's a process. It doesn't happen all at once. You don't have to look for results. Just do the work and the work will work for you and in you as you work for it in yourself. If you're willing to pay the price, you can do this. You will find the headroom. You will find the real eye to grow into. It's there waiting for you. Through self-remembering, you can form a field around you that prevents life's events from sticking to you and draining your force. 
You've got to know now. You've got to be able to see that there are thoughts, there are feelings that are triggered by the things that happen in life that drain you. They just take you away from your focus. They take you away from your aim. They drain your force. They leave you in a negative state so that there's nothing you can do. You can't find your way out of it. How? How? We begin now, this moment, by observing how we leak force, how we react mechanically to life. See what it costs you. The next time you become negative, look at it, observe it. See how you are leaking your force. Is it that someone looked at you wrong? Is it that someone pulled out in front of you? Is it that someone stepped on your toe? Whatever it is, is it that someone said something harsh to you? Is it someone something stole from you? Whatever it is, see that thing and see how you personally leak force through that, how you personally react mechanically to that event that has happened in life. See what it costs you. Look what it costs you. One of the great things about Melee is that for six years after he had a heart attack, he lived in fear of having another heart attack. You want to know what the first thing we did when I got here? I brought with me my exercise perfect push-ups. And I said, Mile, we're going to have that heart attack today. We're going to push it until you have the heart attack. We're going to will the heart attack. We're going to have it happen right now. And so he said, okay, let's do it. And he got down and he did it, did the push-ups until he raced his heart harder than he'd raced it in six years. He stood up and had a panic attack. And I said, okay, now's your chance. Have that heart attack. Fall over dead. Oh, I'm damaging my heart. He went through the whole thing. I said, okay, now come over here with me and breathe. 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 And he did. And he processed it. He moved right through it. Day by day, what he did is he faced it. Every day we worked out. Today was another workout day. He pressed it again. Now he's doing all of the things that for six years... He was imprisoned by fear. He was paralyzed by fear. Now, one by one, he's facing them. It's possible to change. This work works, but you must face your fear or you will live with it and regret it for the rest of your life. Another interesting story is there's a guy who came here as a handyman who put the bathroom together. The guy told me, I'm claustrophobic. It's really hard working in this bathroom. It's so hard tiling it because I'm so claustrophobic. I just want to run out of here screaming. He said, I can't even ride in an elevator. I can't get in an elevator. I'm so claustrophobic. Mile said, look, I know what you can do. You have to face this. You have to will this. You have to go and lock yourself in an elevator and stay there until you get beyond this. The guy said, no way. No way. I can't do that. You're young. You can do that. But I'm old. It's too late for me. I can't do it. The guy has come back, what, two times since then? Two times. two times since then and talked to me. He talked to him about it again. He said, look, I'll go with you. I will lock myself in the elevator with you. I'll do push-ups and you can watch me. He said, I'll press against my fear and you will press against yours. And together we can make it through this. The man was unwilling to do it. So now he will labor through life with his fear, paralyzed, so that he can't do the very thing that he fears because... He's afraid to face it. And that's where he's stuck. And that's where he'll stay. And that's how fear sticks you. And that's how fear is paralyzing. Self-remembering must take the place of identifying so that we can begin to build a second body. 
that can resist the beating that life gives us. We have to see how we react mechanically to life. We have to see how we leak force. It cannot be some general thing. You have got to pick the one thing, the one thing that is staring you in the face, that is paralyzing you, that is stopping you, that one thing. And you must face that thing. That's a great place to start. If you don't have one thing like that, you're not lucky enough to have one thing like that, then you've got to pick one thing that you consistently become negative over. Pick that thing and face that thing and hunt it down. Hunt it down. Do not let it get away. Hunt it down. Look for it everywhere. Learn it. Learn its habits, just like you were tracking an animal. Learn where it goes, what it does, what it smells like, what it sounds like, what it looks like. Learn it and follow it until you know it absolutely and you can stop it dead in its tracks. Then self-remembering begins to take the place of identifying with all of these things. Then we can begin to build a second body. Then we can resist this constant dripping of life that keeps on like a Chinese water torture. It keeps on drip, 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 stealing our force here, agitating us there, putting us into negative states here, dragging us down there, causing us to lose our, our focus, causing us to lose our aim. We've got to do something about it. We've got to start somewhere. These are places to start. This is why I'm talking to you about this. You've got to see what this is costing you. When we stop identifying, the new man becomes possible. It is possible for you to grow into, real eye, to move up into the headroom that is there above you. It is there waiting for you. It is possible to do this, but you must start to work and you must start to work now, not next year, not next month, not next week, not tomorrow, but now in this very moment. There is no time that you can ever begin this work except now. We begin now by observing how we leak force. We begin now by seeing how we react mechanically to, to life. We begin now by seeing what it costs us. When you wake up in the morning, this is what I recommend. Remember, there are four states of consciousness. You spent your time that night sleeping in the first state of consciousness. The minute that you pull your feet out of bed, the minute you, your eyes open, you are in the second state of consciousness, what the work calls waking sleep. You imagine that you're awake, but the truth is the only difference is now the moving center is active. Remember, there is a third state of consciousness. You can reach it. It's the state of self-remembering. Remember, you must have headroom to reach that third state of consciousness where you can receive help. The third state is self-remembering. This is where you've got to get to before you can receive any help. It's like drowning. You're drowning. Someone's standing on the dock. They've got a 12-foot pole or a 14-foot pole, and they hold it out as far as they can to you, but you're two feet away. You've got to struggle and do everything that you know how to do to get to that pole and get a hold of it. And if you can hang on to that, and begin to pull yourself in, you will receive help from above. They will pull too, and you will begin to make progress. You will begin to move up. That is the headroom that I'm talking about. That is moving into real eye that I've been talking about. We've got to be able to distinguish ourselves from life. 
as we are. We can't tell ourselves from life. Life happens to us. We're in whatever state life does to us. It doesn't matter. So we're walking along today. We're up on this mountain. We're walking along. So the wind starts to blow and it's cold. Mile says, I don't like it here. I want to go. And I said, I like it here. I want to stay. He said, no, it's too cold. I said, well, you go. I'll stay. He stayed. What is that? It's nothing more than the simple fact that I distinguish myself from life. Yes, the wind is cold. Yes, it's blowing hard. Yes, it's uncomfortable. So what? I don't have to do what life tells me to do. I'm a conscious being. I have the right to remain conscious. I have the right to stay in the third state of consciousness. I'm going to do that. You have the right to do that as well. Do it with me if you like. If you don't want to, then go away. As we are, we're glued to the events in life through identification. We identify with our body. It's cold. The wind is blowing too hard. I don't like it. I want to go. That's completely, totally identified with your body. Your body is telling you it's cold. Your body is telling you you want to go. And you are totally identified with your body. You think you are your body and you have to do what it tells you. It's just not true. It's the same thing when we eat. Body says, I'm hungry. We were up there today. <laughs> it was funny. Today was a great day. It was just work opportunity after work opportunity after work opportunity. We're sitting up there and we're sitting at this little, this little outside outdoor thing. It's a little trailer where they, have, they make food. The only thing they have is meat. That's the only thing they have to eat. I'm hungry. I said, we need, did we bring any food? No, we didn't bring any food today. Okay, well, we don't have any food. Well, we'll just have to wait until we get home. No, no, we can stop and buy something. So we stop at this place. They have nothing, absolutely nothing that I will eat. I don't eat meat. I won't eat anything that they have there. So Mila and Sashka decide they're not going to eat either. Mila said, well, let's go. Let's go home and get something to eat. And I said, no, I can live without food. I don't have to do this. My body says it's hungry. What has that got to do with me? It's a beautiful day. We're here now. We can enjoy the sunshine. We can enjoy each other's company. This is life. This is a, a week. It can be as we make it. It doesn't have to be as the body dictates to us. Everything changed in that moment. Why? Because I remembered myself and I invited those with me to remember themselves. Small things, yes. But this is where we start. We start with these small things. You're not going to remember yourself every moment of every day. You're not going to do it. Forget that. You've got to start with a small thing. Start with it. Start to build that second body. Start to resist the beating that life is giving you. Start to resist the cold wind blowing on you. Start to resist the hunger that your body tells you. If I don't have something to eat, I'm going to starve to death. I'm going to collapse. I'm going to become too weak to go home. I'll never make it. Forget all of those lies. None of those things are true. You've got to bring the truth up. You can live for days without food. You can live for weeks without food. It's just not true. You're being lied to. You've got to begin to see the truth. We've got to begin to distinguish ourselves from life. And as we're identified with the body, as we're identified with the events and our thoughts and our feelings in life, we can't distinguish ourselves from life because everything that life does affects us and makes us move in this direction or that direction. The wind is too cold, you move out of the wind. You're hungry, you go get something to eat. We're glued to the events in life through this identification. There's no difference between us and life. We're functions of life owing to our mechanical reactions to all of the events, the thoughts, and the feelings that come to us through life. Life is like a river streaming past us. 
We're stuck in it. We're going along with it. But you can get hold of this work. The rope is right there, just above you, hanging just above you. But the unfortunate part is it's hanging above you right now, not in the past, not in the future, right now. Now is the only time you can reach up to something higher and begin to pull yourself up. I invite you to do that now. Begin to extricate yourself from the second state of consciousness called waking sleep. Say, I am not life. Life, the events in life do not dictate to me what I must do. If we have no headroom, we continue to imagine what we are. And then we we continue to imagine that we are awake when actually we remain asleep. We continue to imagine that we are what we take ourselves to be and that we're wide awake. We can't afford to do that. We've got to know there is something higher. There is something that is calling to us. And if we start to remove this garbage that we, have, uh, that we have acquired in life, we will begin to hear it. We will begin to hear it. And once you begin to hear it, you will begin to follow it. Try to see, for example, where you're identified, how you don't remember yourself, when you do remember yourself. It's not enough just to see when you don't remember yourself. You've got to see when you do remember yourself. You've got to have something to compare it to. We've got lots of experiences of not remembering ourselves and very few experiences of when we did remember ourselves. You've got to remember the time that you remembered yourself. You've got to taste it. You've got to smell it. You've got to feel it. You've got to become familiar with it. You've got to know what it's like so that when You can move toward it again. You will know it again. You will know that taste. You will know that smell. You'll be able to follow it. And it will lead you back to remembering yourself. We get a couple of experiences of self-remembering. But now, and in life, everybody gets a couple of experiences of self-remembering. Everybody does. The question is, what are you going to do now? You've had these experiences What are you going to do now? You can't just sit and wait for more experiences to come to you. We don't get that many. We don't get that many conscious shocks. We don't get that many opportunities. It's time for us to begin to work. We must work for them by separating from negative emotions whenever possible. When is it possible? Only when you can remember yourself. Only when you can remember your aim. Only when you can remember the work. There's no chance of remembering yourself unless you can look at the negative state and remember, even for an instant, for a flash, I have the right not to be negative. If I'm negative, it's my own fault. If you can do that, you have already reached up and grabbed the rope above you. You already will begin to gain force from that. You already will be able to shake yourself loose from that negative emotion, from that negative state. You may not be able to get totally loose from it. It may take you a while, but you will begin to separate from it. You will see, yes, I'm negative. It's negative. I'm not negative. It's negative. But that is not I. I am not life. I am not that negative state. I am not going to remain asleep. I know the truth. The truth will make me free. I'm going to cling to it and begin to pull myself up. And if I don't have the strength to pull myself up, I'll hold on to it until it can pull me up a little bit. Maybe that's all we'll get is a little bit. That's what we've got. So with these few experiences of self-remembering that we get in life, we get to find out what the pattern is. We get to find out what it smells like and tastes like to remember ourselves. Maybe not completely, but just a little bit. Now we've got to work for them. 
Separate from the negative emotions whenever you can, whenever you think of it. Real I awaits you. It is above you. Make some headroom for yourself and move into it by working on the things that the work shows you to work on every day. Don't just hear it. Do it. This is self-development. Don't wait for someone else to do it for you. That's not going to happen. It's up to you. Take that step. Yes, it's a step of faith. You have to believe that there is something higher or you will never look up. You've got to believe there is something higher. You've got to have some kind of faith that there's something higher. There's got to be something in you that says, I know in my being, I know somewhere inside of myself that there must be more than this merry-go-round, than this wheel that we're stuck on. There must be something more and I am going to find it and I am going to hear it and I am going to do it. And I am going to develop myself. That's what I had to say. I do hope you will be encouraged enough to do something about it. And to do something about it today. I promise you people, there's only one moment in your entire life. You have one moment, one chance in your entire life. From the day you're born to the day you die. There is only one chance to work. One chance. You miss that chance and you will never work. That chance is now. Fortunately, now is eternal. Get out of the past, get out of the future, and you have an eternal space above you in which you can work. Get hold of it, do it, and don't let anything stop you. Go for it. It's worth it. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.